thank you guys. Thank you, Ben. That was awesome, as usual. Um, so, like I said at the beginning, uh, my name is Adam, one of the pastors here. Not the usual teaching pastor, that's uh, Josh, but he's out of town, so I'll be filling in for him tonight. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to be doing a topical sermon uh, on work. Uh, we're going to be talking about the theology of work, uh, maybe some, some misconceptions that we have about work, and then we're going to look at what the Bible says about it, because um, that's always important. Uh, so it's pretty neat. I know in the past couple weeks we've been, in, uh, we've been talking about work in our community groups, and it was really neat whenever Josh let us know uh, about a month ago that someone was going to need to preach this week. Uh, it's kind of been on my heart for a little while, so I told him I'd go ahead and preach, and we were talking one day. He was like, well, what are you preaching on? I told him work. He was like, well, pretty neat that we're going to be talking about work for the two weeks leading up to that in community groups. So we talk about how God's not random. Um, more evidence of that, so... Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, so, I guess before I get started, uh, I'll say, just so I don't, uh, if I say anything profound tonight, it's probably because of Tim Keller or Dallas Willard, <laughs> and hopefully the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, but I, I use a lot, of, they have a lot of great resources whenever, uh, whenever it's talking about work, not just work, but they, they've got a lot of good stuff out there, so I definitely use that to my advantage. So, work is an important topic for us as believers to have a proper understanding of. Um, they say that between the ages of 20 and 70, most of us will spend probably 70% of our waking hours at work. And so that's a lot of time. It's, it's, it's a lot of time there, so I think it's important for us as Christians to have a, a, just a proper, a proper viewpoint on, on what work is and how should we work as believers. Uh, so whenever, whenever we talk about work as believers, usually people fall into two extremes along their lines of thinking at work. The first extreme that I find is that people place a lot of their value in their identity through work. They might be the workaholics. They might, um, might be working for the wrong reasons a lot of times, whether it's just working for money or for promotion or power. A lot of those things they won't say, but um, uh, the, the extreme one are, are people that, that, that place their value in their, their identity in their work. The second extreme is kind of on the other side, is that work is just a necessary evil. That they basically do just enough to get by, and uh, just enough not to get fired. And so what that does is that breeds a lot of laziness. And so, uh, you know, some of us find ourselves in those extremes, and some of us find, uh, find ourselves somewhere in between. And some of us depend on what week it is, uh, and um, where we find ourselves. So we're going to be, you know, usually whenever there's extremes, we always talk about tension. We're going to try to find that tension in there. So uh, let's go ahead and define work first. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we think of work, we think of a job or what we do to make money. And while that's part of it, it's far from the only thing. Uh, if you were in community group these past two weeks, uh, we talked about work being simply the labor and efforts you do each and every day during the week. So that covers a lot more than just your job, what you make, what you do for money. It covers, all right, so it covers having a job, being an employee, covers business owners and self, people that are self-employed. It covers stay-at-home moms. It covers students. It covers those that are currently unemployed. You know, we, we say that if you are currently looking for work, well, that is your work, you know, the, the act of looking for work. And so it covers pretty much everything. I'm going to go ahead. Ashley, can you put up the Dallas Willard quote? Uh, he has a really neat work on the purpose of, I mean, a, a neat quote on the purpose of work. But it says, The purpose of work, as God intended, is to bring people together in loving community for mutual benefit and support to meet the physical and spiritual needs around us, Mr. Dallas Willard. Um, 
that's an awesome quote, and that it covers everything. It, it, it covers more than just that idea that my work is what I do to bring in money or my job. Uh, so, um, in tonight's sermon, we're going to be talking about three main points. I'll try to not get my, let my ADD get the best of me, because for anybody who knows me, I can go anywhere, so I have an outline in front of me. Um, so, we're going to be talking about three main points, and there's going to be some sub-points that are indented if you're a note-taker. Um, so, let's get with it. Uh, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis 1, all the way at the beginning of the Bible. Alright, so the first main point that we're going to talk about it's easy. It's that work is good. Work is a good thing. Uh, the reason why we know that, I'm not going to read all of chapter 1 in Genesis, but the reason why we know work is good is we see, through, we see all throughout chapter 1 is that God is a worker. We see he worked six days to create the universe and then rested one. So, uh, a lot of times we think that God created work whenever, whenever he created Adam. But that's not, that's not the case in that we see all throughout chapter 1, God was a worker. And so that's a, I think that's a profound truth that we need to hold in, is that God himself works, and he works for the joy of it. You know, you see him creating all throughout chapter 1, and on, at the end of chapter 1, he says he takes a look, of, a look at everything, and he said it is very good. And so God not only works, but he works for the joy of it. And so I think that's an important thing for us to grasp. So let's go ahead, I'm going to read a little bit, I'm going to be doing some jumping around in Genesis uh, so, try to stay with me. All right, so let's go ahead and pick up in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed him. Bless them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that's through 28. Go ahead and jump to uh, Genesis 2, 5 through 8. So what we see here in Genesis 2, 5 through 8, it's kind of going back to that sixth day whenever God created Adam and Eve, whenever God created man. And so it goes a little bit more detail on that. So... Starting with verse 5, uh, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man become a living, became a living creature. And the Lord God planted an art, a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. And then jump to verse 15. Basically, right, you know, they name a bunch of rivers. And then verse 15. Uh, so, uh, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Some other tra- translations say to work it and to care for it. So, we look at all the, the account of chapter 1. We see God's a worker. But then he creates Adam in his image. You know, I, we talk a lot about this at church at, at this church, that, got, uh, that we are image bearers. We are image bearers. That every, every human being has dignity because we're an image bearer of God. Well, we also, as, as it pertains to work, we are also a worker because God's a worker. It's a part of the fabric in which God made us. Uh, so, in us, in, in every one of us, there is a desire and an ability to create. And that's pretty neat. And that, that's something that's important to see here because what that shows is that work is not a result of sin. I think a lot of times we, uh, 
me personally, whenever I say a lot of times, I, you know, I, I've always had an interest in the theology of work and stuff like that. Whenever I was preparing over the past few weeks for this, uh, I, I kept on getting convicted because, uh, you know, there was a lot that, that I drew out. So it was good stuff. But work is not a result of sin. That's, that's something important because whenever we think of, you know, just the practical everyday going to our jobs, a lot of times it's easy because it's tough is to think, Man, this, this is because of the fall. This wasn't, this wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be this way. And while there's a portion of that, and that sin did affect work, work itself is a good thing, and it's not a, re, a result of sin. And so I think there's two major points that that draws out, that I'm going to hit so, sub-point. Um, that whenever we look at God as a worker, God is a good thing. I mean, that work is a good thing because God created it. Um, and that we're made in the image, and therefore Adam worked, and he was, he was created to work. There's two things that that brings out that I want to talk. And the first is that work is, fa- uh, is foundational to our makeup. I kind of hit that already, but work is foundational to our makeup. We see that God worked six days in creation and then rested one. And so what we can see is that work is so foundational to our makeup, it's one of those, things that, it's one of those rare things that we can take in such large doses and it still be healthy. So God could have said, let's work three and a half days and let's rest three and a half days. But that's not the case. He said, we're going to work six and rest one. So a lot of times, I think, I think it was Tim Keller that said, we work to live. It's so much a part of us that, that we can handle that, that big of doses. Six, work six days, rest one. And, uh, you, know, and you, take a, you take a look at, and, at why that's important. I, I'm sure you all heard of the statistic or the people that work and then they retire, and after they retire, they kind of shut it down and don't do anything productive after that. Uh, they only have like X amount of numbers, to, uh, X number of years to live. And I think that's a, a part of that reason is because we are created to work. Um, I probably said that like 72 times in this point. But it's so, it's so foundational uh, that work is not a necessary evil. It's, it's a part of who we are. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. So if you look at that, the point that work is foundational to our makeup. It's foundational to who we are as human beings. We are less likely to, likely to see it as a means to an end. And what I mean by that, I'm going to uh, throw Mr. Blake Fowler under the boat. He, he gave me permission. It was, it was pretty neat. He, Blake, Blake's one of my good friends. We, we talk a lot about work. And he called me up and he was sharing some frustrations. And so I asked him a question. I was like, well, Blake, why do we work? And I mean, he, I had it written down in my notes already. He just like nailed it. I was like, dude, you gave me some perfect material. He said, well, man, it's kind of a means to an end. You know, you work to make money so that you can provide, it provides for your family. And I was like, I'm like, uh, you know, which I was in the same, I, I was along the lines of the same thinking. So I, I told him, he gave me permission to throw him under the boat on that. But that's a very, you know, if, for what I think, I think Blake's got a pretty good viewpoint on work. And if he's thinking that, I think it's more widespread as well. And so we're talking about seeing work as a means to an end. What I mean by that is you work just to re, uh, for a result. You work just for what you can get out of it. And that's not what work is. And so what is that? What do people usually work for? Well, a lot of times it's for money. You know, look, I just work so I can make money. And some things that they might not admit, well, I work to accrue power, to get a promotion, to move up on the social scale. Um, that's the reason I work. That's, that's my means to an end. Uh, uh, there's also some things that might sound good. Like if you ask a Christian, who, which is well-intentioned, well, why do you work? Well, I work so I can tithe and give back money. That's a good thing. That's, that's a good motivation. But it's still missing the boat on, on, work as, on, on the viewpoint of work. Uh, you can ask Christian, why do you work? Well, I work so I can witness to a coworker. Still really good stuff. 
but it's not the point of work. That's still a means to an end. We work because it's a part of who we are, and we work because God was a worker. And so it's such an important transition to make that those are good things that I just mentioned, but it's not the reason for work. And so if we don't see work as foundational to our makeup, then we're using it. We're using it for what we can get out of it. And so that's, that's sub-point number one, under work is good. Uh, sub-point number two, where, you know, what we can gather from the creation account about how God's a worker, uh, is that there is dignity, uh, there is dignity in work. Uh, in society, I think, uh, the world nowadays, and it's kind of always been that, this way, is that we, we like to place a, an importance on, on work based on a number of things. Um, those things might be how much money we make. We think that this, this job or this line of work is important because X dollars are being paid. The lower it is, the less importance it has. Uh, a lot of times that might be for, you know, we have this thing in our mind where, where there's service labor, which is like manual labor, and then there's knowledge-based labor, which might be something you go to school for or anything like that. Well, in society, a lot of times we place an importance where, like, we're saying this line of work isn't as important as a knowledge base, and there's nothing further from the truth. The reason of that is that, go back to, to Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man, the man whom, whom he had formed. So what do we see right there? In the Old Testament, our God, our creator of the universe, is a gardener. He did guard. He gardened. I don't know how else to say it. He was a gardener. Um, that's awesome. I remember whenever I read that, I'm like, oh man. Well, it was a New Testament show. God's a carpenter. Uh, it's, so, in whenever a lot of work we have, there's dignity in work. Why is there dignity? Because next page. Um, because work of all kinds is evidence of our dignity as humans, because it reflects the image of God. I'll read that again because I thought that was a good quote I read. Work of all kinds is evidence of our dignity of human, as, as humans because it reflects the image of God. And we see in creation, God brought order to chaos. So no matter what we do uh, as it pertains to work, we are bringing order to chaos. Uh, Ashley, can you put the Tim Keller quote up? This is a long one, so I'm going to try not to butcher it while reading. Um, this is what Keller wrote along the lines of uh, dignity in work. Think of the supp- supposedly menial work of house cleaning. Consider that if you do not do it or hire someone to do it, you will eventually get sick and die from the germs, viruses, and infections that will breed in your home. The material, material creation was made by God to be, to be developed, cultivated, and cared for in an endless number of ways through human labor. But even the simplest of ways is important. Without them all, human life cannot flourish. I thought that was a great quote as it pertains to the dignity of work. All lines of work has dignity to it because our God did all lines of work. Um, so if we stopped right there, if I said, all right, let's shut, down, let's shut down the sermon, work would sound pretty peachy. Work would sound pretty like, all right, awesome, let's you know, forget about our day off tomorrow, let's, let's, let's go and do it. Well, there's, a, there's, there's another point to that. And so main point number two is that work has fallen. Flip over to Genesis 3, verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all, uh, eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, 
and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So these are some heavy, heavy verses right here. This is where the fall comes down. That Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they ate of the fruit, uh, and, and sin was brought into the world. And so we see right here that we see the world, but in particularly work, is broken because of sin. Um, you know, it, God says, "Cursed is the ground that you walk on. There will be thorns and thistles and sweat. Nowadays, you can insert a number of things into that. Instead of thorns and thistles, you could say, insert rejection. You could insert stress, unrealistic deadlines, demeaning bosses, gossip and coworkers. You can insert a number of things that sin has affected as it pertains to our work. So now we have a bunch of problems with our work because of sin. And I want to talk about two of them. Uh, the first of that is that work becomes fruitless. Work become, can become fruitless. You know, you look at that practically, and I, I know I'm a, I've been in sales for a, a while, uh, and I think this, this goes along with, it, with all lines of work, but you will be able to envision and dream and goal set far more than you will probably be able to accomplish. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to hope, and it's good to dream. It's good to envision stuff like that. But... Whenever work becomes fruitless, a lot of times because we are able to imagine far more than we're actually able to do at work. And that really comes down to two things. One, a lot of times it's a lack of ability. That a lot of times we, we think that we can do things in this fallen world that sometimes just can't be done. Which I, that sounds like a, a downer, but I'm going to get to the good, good, good point. Um, so a lot of times just due to a lack of ability. But if the, a lot of times if the ability is there, a lot of times it's just a... a, a uh, Resistance from the environment. You know, God said, curse is the ground that you walk on. And so whenever, whenever sin entered the world and work was broken, we're basically going against the grain of the world a lot of times. You know, we talk about the environment being broken. Go, going off of that, that, that work can be fruitless, and going off that example, that you'll be able to envision far more that you'll be able to accomplish a lot of times. Think of a farmer. A farmer could be uh, a major, just have his skill down as a farmer. But let's say a drought comes in or some kind of famine comes in and destroys all of his crops. There, you could be, he could have it down, but yet still that, that resistance from the environment that comes from the fall could work against him. And so that's whenever I say that work can be fruitless and feel, feel pointless a lot of times. It's because it's tough. <laughs> it, it's tough. That's what sin did. And so, we should, and, and so the reason why it's important is that we should expect work to be tough. A lot of times whenever we go through tough times at work, we start questioning, what is God telling me this? Should I be in another field? And he may or may not. I'm not here to say one way or another. But we should expect, no matter what line of work we go in, that it's going to be tough. We're going to have things working against us. And so, even though it can be tough, there can be fruit in work still. You know, I, that's where I don't, I don't want to sound too much like a Debbie Downer. Oh, sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's an inside joke. Well, uh, Where's I on my outline? All right. So even though work uh, can feel, be, be fruitless and be pointless, that there, is, there are those times where we get a glimpse of fruit. There are those times where we get a glimpse, and it's okay to hope for that. It's okay to work and to hope for work that will give us satisfaction of great, greatness and being fruitful for God's glory. There's nothing wrong with that. So we get, groups, we get glimpses of fruit, but know that work will be frustrating, and that's okay. Um, so another problem, so that's the first problem that I'm going to talk about, is that work can be fruitless and pointless. Uh, the second part of that is that work become, can become selfish. 
You don't have to turn there. I'm going to get Ashley to put it up. Uh, Genesis 11, 2 through 4. I'll read that. This is uh, talking about the Tower of Babel. So Genesis 11, 2. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So right here, we see, um, we see two things happen, happening in those verses. One, the first thing that we see is technology coming into play. We see um, the, the people have figured out how to, instead of, make stone, instead of using stones to build towers, they figured out how to bake bricks and use uh, mortar to build them even taller. So that, that's fine. You know, God is in technology. No big deal. We're good so far. But then the second thing happened, and that's the motivation behind why they did that. As it, verse 4 says that so they can make a name for themselves. In other words, to establish their identity and maximize their personal power and glory. Man, how, how much do we see that nowadays in work? How, how things just haven't changed. About work has become very selfish. It's about become very self-reliant, and this is how I'm become independent. Um, and it's through my work, through the power that I, that I obtain uh, through my work. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see, we see that work is a joyful cultivation for God's sake. And in Genesis 11, we see that work has become a means to power. And so we see, like I said, we see this, we see this all throughout culture right nowadays. You know, we see that people are becoming self, more self-sufficient. I'm throwing up, I guess, air quotes for uh, the podcast. Um, so more self-sufficient apart from God through technology. You know, and I'm, I'm not one of these people that, oh, we live in America. We don't know what we have or anything like that, but... You know, we can go home and go to our air-conditioned houses and run down to the street to the grocery store and go get us food. And we have all this technology that it can be very easy to, to think that we, we obtain this stuff ourselves. And so we see that technology has been a means to power in a lot of people's minds. Uh, we, you know, we, see, we see how work becomes selfish through, through government, through, through government workers, through through bosses and CEOs that do things just for personal glory and for personal power. So we see it all throughout society. So again, we, we, we stop here. If I stop the sermon right here, it, it would be tough. It would be almost feel hopeless because these are deep problems that we're talking about with work. The fact that it's fruitless and it feels pointless. The fact that um, it's filled with selfishness and, um, and that crave for power. But, we, but there's hope. There's, it, it doesn't end there. And so let's talk about the third main point, and that's work is redeemed. So if we just look at work as cursed, we'll get, we won't get an accurate view. We'll, we'll probably stay pessimistic and cynical, not have a good work ethic. Um, if we see work as being just good, if we just look at that Genesis 1 and 2, I'm like, this is what work is. This is how it should be. We'll, we'll probably be in a constant state of disappointment and frustration. Because we see in Genesis 3 that there were severe consequences for sin and how it affects the way we work. So it's important to see both. It's important to hold that tension there. And that uh, it's important to see that God's original creation and how he intended it, but also the devastating effects that, that, that the fall had. So let's uh, uh, go ahead and turn to Romans 8.20. If you were in community group these past two weeks, this is the, or this past week, this is the, the, the scripture that we went through. Uh, that 
is going to be, it was pretty awesome. So Romans 8, 20 and 21. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corrupt, uh, to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So we see what's happening in these verses. That talk, you know, what, we've talked about, what I've talked about this whole time is that when Adam sinned, the world was broken or subject to futility, basically meaning broken by sin. And when Jesus comes back and establishes the new earth, it'll be like Genesis 1 and 2 again. It'll be perfect. You know, I know we talked, about, we talked about the new earth and how when Jesus comes back, you know, it's going to look like the Garden of Eden, which is going to be awesome. You know, we're going to be able to roam this world without sin and brokenness, and, and it's the same with our work. But we, we're in that in-between. We're in that in-between spot where we talk about a lot as a church. You know, Jesus Christ is making all things new. Jesus Christ is making all things new. And this, I think Romans 8 points to that. And, that God, and through us, God is after the renewal of his creation. So... Work is broken. It's going to be perfected one day. Well, through the power of Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross and the Holy Spirit, that he is making all things new now. And what's neat about that is he is, he is allowing us to come alongside and be a part of that through our work. Uh, this is a, a, a really neat question that Josh asked. Uh, that I don't know who did the material. I think it was Josh, Josh or Chris. Um, this is a question that was asked this week. It says, in our personal vocations, we need to ask ourselves what parts of creation have been, have been subject to futility or broken by sin. So what parts of creation has been broken by sin that makes our work necessary? What parts of creation has been broken by sin that makes what we do on a day-to-day basis necessary? I'll go ahead and use my work for example. Um, so I am a risk advisor. Uh, basically what that means, <laughs> air quotes, uh, Basically, what that means is that we go in and try to help companies become safer with the goal of um, reducing losses and help them become more profitable long-term as well as keep their workers safe. Uh, we do that. We do safety programs and insurance and stuff like that. So the fall, how the fall, I'll use a, a uh, construction company as an example. The fall is, is affecting construction companies because we see, we see on the news where Something goes wrong, a crane, a crane breaks, and somebody gets killed, or uh, we see defects in the way they built a, built a product. So we see that sin has broken the way people build things and, and the, pay, the way people work. So what, what's neat about the, that God uses, I guess, insurance um, as a, a line to redeem things is that they're able to, the, uh, the employees or the business owners are able to protect those losses so it won't put them out of business. And also on the safety programs to help those those employees stay safer, stay safer, so that they can go home to their kids and their family. Um, so that's that that's personal. I mean, you could go. I think we all need to apply that because everybody's got an answer. I don't care what it is. Everybody's got an answer. Whether it's bringing order from chaos, whether it's uh, you know uh, I'll use lawyers for example. There's so much injustice in the world that was brought that's brought to the world because of sin. Well, lawyers get a chance to to just this. <laughs> to bring justice, and I don't know what the verb is behind that, but uh, to bring justice uh, to a very unjust, uh, to a very unjust world. Um, so, how awesome is that? That God, like you know, we talk about God is independent. God doesn't need us, but He He allows us to come alongside of Him. How awesome is it that the Creator of the universe allows us to, uh, works through us, through our vocations, through our work, 
to make all things new. How awesome is that? And like I said, it won't be perfect until Jesus comes back, so I don't want us to, to get a wrong idea of that. It won't be perfect. It'll, you know, we'll still have sin. We'll still, it'll be, still be tough. But he's all about the renewal of his creation. Uh, going back to Genesis 1, uh, in verse 31, where God looks at everything after he created on the sixth day, on the sixth day he looks at everything and he said, is very good. But what God didn't say is, he didn't say it was complete. And I think that's important, is that even before the fall, he left it good but still incomplete so that we could come alongside and cultivate it and care for it and work. Well, the fall didn't, didn't change that calling. It changed our harmony with the environment and how tough work is, but it didn't change our calling behind that and that we are still called to work alongside with God. Like, th- th- work is a gift. It's, a, it's, a, it's hard to think about that sometimes because of the struggles that we have with, have with it, but work is a gift. The fact that he intentionally left, he, he made creation that was good, but he left it incomplete so that we could come alongside and care for it and work and cultivate it. Um, pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, so just to kind of review, we see that work is good. Work is good because God works and we're created in his, in his image. And so because we're created in, in his image, it's a part of our fabric. It's a part of who we are. It's not a means to an end. It's not necessary evil. It's a good thing. But sin, in, in, sin entered the world and corrupted it, and it made it tough, and it made it painful. And, yeah, it just made it tough and painful. But we see what, when Jesus came and died on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through God's sovereignty, he is renewing it. He, he's, he's not only renewing creation, but he's renewing, renewing the work itself. You know, we see in John that it talks, which Blake, it's funny, Blake actually sent me the text this morning. He was trying to redeem himself from our conversation earlier. But uh, he said, uh, you know, God, conti- God, God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit continue to work for us. They continue to work. And so that's awesome in that, that, that work is redeemed. And so uh, look at that. There's, there's four practical steps that I, want, that I want to talk about, and then we'll be done. Uh, nursery workers are going to love me tonight. I think we're, we're flying. Um, so there's four practical steps I want to talk about. And I got this from a, uh, one of the blogs on the Gospel Coalition. I thought, I thought he, he, whoever it was, did a good job on four practical steps on how to glorify God through your work and have a proper perspective on it. So step number one is work hard. Do your best. Uh, be the most honest, humble, ethical working employee that you can be. Love others and, prof- and provide what is good and best. Protect and promote what is good and suppress what has fallen and evil. And do it all for the glory of God. Work hard. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Uh, now, we don't find, like, going back to the beginning, we don't find our identity in work. We don't overwork. But work hard while you're at work. The, the, this, it's a calling that we have. Uh, Taylor Vernon sent the elders a really neat quote a few weeks ago that I thought was pretty awesome. It's from Philip Brooks. It says, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray for stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. So in our hard work, we're not going to be able to work as hard and as diligently without the power of Christ. And so that's where we talk about make room for, I mean, that kind of sounds make room for Jesus. I mean, he's everywhere. But in your job, rely on him to, be, to, to, to help you work hard because you won't be able to do it effectively or for the right motivations on your own. So that's number one, work hard. Uh, practical step number two is have realistic expectations. Know that it's going to be tough and it's going to be fruitful, not either or. Uh, be optimistic, but don't live in the clouds. And be, be realistic, but don't be a pessimist. Don't be cynical. So that's step number two. Have realistic expectations. 
Step number three is practice Sabbath. Uh, Josh did a series about this a year, two, three, I don't even know, ago, but Sabbath is, uh, Sabbath is so important that I think a lot of times we miss out on it, we don't get it right. And Sabbath is so important because we need that rest. We see that God, God rested on the seventh day, so we're made in his image, we're created to rest. And so rest is important. It's important to shut it down. And, you know, and the Sabbath doesn't mean just be completely lazy, but do things that are outside of your normal daily activities that you do for the week. Do things that restore your soul and that you worship him through. Uh, I, I think when we do that, it, relinqu- it relinquishes that control that our fall- fallen human nature grab onto. That, hey, I can shut it down for the day and this world is going to continue to turn. And it's going to be fine. So practice Sabbath. And fourth, which I thought was a cool one, I, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be neat because I'm, I'm going to start doing this. Is pray the Lord's prayer every morning. Uh, what the guy said in the blog is that you know he said that there's no accident that that Jesus knew that we, we we become what we pray, and there's nothing like the Lord's prayer that gets the focus off yourself before you start the day, and and develop a kingdom mindset and do it for the glory of God. This is going to be kind of a random side note, but I think I think it was Tim Keller in one of his books. Um, talked about the Lord's Prayer, and he talked about give us this day our daily bread. And as that, uh, whenever we think about work and give us this day our daily bread, that's not just praying for, you know, you to, you to get the, or you, for the baker, we'll just say that, for the baker to be able to bake the bread so that you can get it. But there's so much involved in that, starting with, like, nature cooperating, starting with, like, this Lord, rain for the farmers to grow it, to grow wheat and flour and whatever else it is, should ask my dad, whatever else there is to make bread. Uh, for the trucking companies, you know, for the, for the grocery stores that hold it, there's so much that goes on into praying for that give us this daily or daily bread. And so I think that just gives you more of a kingdom mindset whenever you go to pray for your work. All right, all right what's the big picture behind what I'm doing today? Uh, I don't know if that's random. It connected with me. So those are the, those are the four practical steps. Um, Work is, a good, work is a good thing. It's a gift. It's fallen, but it's a good thing, and the Lord continues to redeem it. So that's all I have. Uh, ben, you can go ahead and come on up, and, uh, and I'll close this out. Father, uh, we love you. Thank you for, just for your grace, uh, for the fact that that you are always with us. We thank you for that. We thank you that as hopeless as it seems uh, in our day-to-day life, whether it be because of work or just other circumstances, that, that you are here with us and you're continuing to renew it and make it new, Lord, and that we always have a hope no matter how tough it gets. So Lord, I pray that you know, as, as the band leads us through these next few songs, just continue to press in on us, you know, what you have for us as it, as it relates to work. That we will glorify you and have a just a proper proper kingdom mindset, whatever, and how we approach our work. Father, we love you, and uh, again, we just thank you so much for who you are. We love you. Amen.